Revolting is a production of the Cycling Independent with generous support from our subscribers and with additional underwriting from Shimano North America. Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 117, Coffee and Sugar, Cigarettes and Weed. Content warning, we swear and stuff. In fact, we swear about stuff that's gross a lot. We're not safe for work. Uh, we're not for general audiences. Parental guidance is suggested if kids are listening. Farts and barf might come up. You might say boobs or butthole. If that's not your <laughs> thing, this ain't your thing. I love boobs and buttholes why wouldn't you great. why wouldn't They're you great uh but not like individually you know their own in their own magic little individual ways you yeah, sure boobs and buttholes yeah so, separate from the human just the idea i just like the idea of them yeah uh speaking the of ideas spe- of them speaking of buttholes uh what have you been up to <laughs> 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 You're pretty fucking happy with yourself, aren't you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um uh what have I been up to? Well, my mom got her throat slit on Monday. That was exciting. She uh, she went a carotid artery something. Yeah, she had a like a what they call a friable mass or a friable obstruction in her carotid artery so it was like 90 percent blocked and the thing it was blocked with was just getting getting ready to shoot up into her brain and pickle her um but i took her there and they made like a really nice i don't know three inch slit down one side of her neck and just took it right out so that would be an aneurysm or is that a clot no this is a mass What's the difference yeah, this would, between an it aneurysm? It would cause a stroke. So oh. this wouldn't... An aneurysm, I think, is bleeding. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it's all the same. Uh, so she, I have just as many medical degrees this week as I did last week. <laughs> was she... How, cl- how close was she to buying the farm? The doctors... Was this an emergency? Like, they did a scan and said, Oh, man, you got a big thing in, of kind of a vital part of your body that we need to get out yesterday. Um, well, it took them like three weeks to go from like, Ooh, to, uh, surgery. So I don't think it was, but, or they didn't realize quite how dingle dangling it was in there. That's the medical term, uh, until they cut her open and then they were like, Oh, this, this fella's about to break loose. So it was more one of those, like, wow, not like you're gonna buy the farm. But then afterwards they were like, you were gonna buy the farm. Did they have any indication of how close it was? Like, how dingle was the dangle? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they can tell you stuff like that. But I think what they said basically was it is exactly the kind of thing that that gives you a stroke. Crazy. Uh, Did she get to keep it? (laughs) Uh, I don't think so. I haven't seen it. 
They're really, you know, hospitals are real particular. Have you ever read about the kid who got his foot amputated and he finally like let him, they, he was like argued with the hospital, argued with the hospital and finally let, they let to keep, they let him keep his foot and it's like in a jar and he hangs out on his porch and drinks moonshine and like with his foot. He's, he's, I know I'm not making this up. Um, I think I saw something about that on the internet. <laughs> oh. oh, it was on the internet? Well, all right. I asked. Oh, the Florida guy with his foot. I asked the guy. It is definitely in the South somewhere. Um, yeah. I asked the hospital when I, I had an appendicitis a bunch of years ago. And um, it was weird because uh, we had just finished Don and Doris Fisher, who owned the Gap, like in Banana Republic and Old Navy and shit. They have this huge art collection. It's all yeah. in possession of the San Francisco uh, Museum of Modern Art now. But had, <clears throat> when they had the new corporate offices built, they had these two galleries. I mean, they still do. And uh, they were absolutely stocked with their collection. And um, we had just finished this company I worked for. I just finished doing this installation. So they had this little spread for us. And we had some shrimp and drinks and snacks and whatever. And I woke up the next day and I was not feeling very well. And uh, it was, I went to work and it was like absolutely telltale, like, textbook rather uh um uh appendicitis um so eventually i went to the hospital and they were like nope i think you just got heartburn and so i went away they gave me some malox or something and they sent me away and then a week later i went back in and i was like really not doing well and they said no i think it's you just got gas they sent me away and like i don't know 10 days maybe 11 days i had gone completely septic and um and I was having, you know, I had like constant fever and night sweats and it was really fucking bad. And, uh, they did a scope or a scan or a barium something. And they were like, oh fuck, like your whole body, you're like comprised of like, um, like 95% sewage. So they 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 immediately put me they immediately immediately admitted me to the hospital and then I was on IV I was like they didn't operate because I was so toxic they um they just figured that the infection would have killed the appendix so they I was on antibiotic drip 24 hours a day for like a week maybe more and mm -hmm. uh they finally sent me on my way and then about 2 months later it started feeling a little weird again. So then they went in to operate because they didn't want to operate the first time around because they didn't want to spread the infection. Uh, like my body had kind of like cordoned all this top poison off. Um, and when they finally operated on me, I asked them if I could keep it. And they were like, mm, no, because we need it for, you know, we're going to like, Put take it and it's going to be put in a lab and students can study like this is what a tiny perforation as opposed to a exploded appendix looks like um mm. uh yeah so anyway point being they're really particular about the shit that they take out of you you know like if you want your finger you want whatever they remove from you 
It's no longer yours, which I think is a real curious reality. Um, yeah, because that shit's yours, right? Sure is. Um, that reminds me of when my grandmother died. My grandmother died. My parents were on this cross-country train trip and were unable to deal. So I had to deal with my grandmother's dead body. Did I tell you this story before? I don't think so. Yeah, so she she died. The whole story of it's pretty hilarious, but I'm, I'll cut it short and just say... Uh, she died. She left her body to NYU Medical School. She had lived in Manhattan her whole life, but she actually died in New Jersey. Um, so I had to deal with the issue of we can't transport your dead grandmother across state lines. Um, and they were like, she's in the freezer right now, but you got to figure out what to do with this body. Uh, and eventually... Uh, some people at a medical school in New Jersey called me and they were like, oh, we hear there's this body and, and you know, that your grandmother wanted to donate it to science or, you know, like med school. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. And they were like, can I just ask you a couple questions? Did she weigh more than 100 pounds? Uh, <laughs> n- nope. <laughs> Did she have cataracts or other eye issues? Yep. Uh, they went down this whole list of like, basically she didn't qualify at all. (laughs) That's so fucking weird. Yeah. Like her body was, she was so shriveled. She was a, she was a raisin. Uh She was like, uh, a bunch of raisins on a toothpick. That's, but they did eventually take her. The woman at the medical school was like, look, look, we'll just, I'll just, you have no other plan for this. Do you? And I was like, no, this is what she wants. You know, I'm not like. That's f- I'm not like. Tr- that's yeah. fucked up. I mean, like you think like, OK, well, so what happens? You know, like what happens? My family, if something happens to me now, my family's not going to know. Like I when I got separated because you sort of feel like, all right, I got I got this. Uh, I got this sort of notion that like I got family, I got some kind of support. And when all when all that's left is this vessel, what's going to become of it? And then I was like, oh, fuck, I got to like I got to make plans for myself because nobody else is going to be able to manage this. And, right. and and learning about like what the fuck getting that stuff prepared while you're alive is weird and uh, oddly challenging, you know, like unless you have a huge piece of property. Uh, and you can have like a Viking funeral on your lake or whatever, or get buried oh, in that. your own. But even that's like, even that's problematic, you know, like this, you've, there are all these laws governing, obviously you can't just like put bodies in the street or whatever, but what the fuck, what do you, what do you do? Like science doesn't want you. Um, so well, they want you, but they want you to be pretty, they want you to have died somewhat healthy, which is what? Okay. Unless it's some weird physical anomaly that killed you, then you're just this you're just this object to to, to be dealt with, which is really fucking weird, man. It's really I'm gonna go down to the, the harbor, the Boston harbor there where they had the tea party, and I'm gonna ask around and see how one would go about getting lost at sea. That's my plan. You have you probably have to have a friend with a boat. You know, I mean, you've got to have a you gotta have somebody in place. You know what I mean? It's like if I could do if I could get rid of my body. And then be like, all right, uh, lights off. That would be 
you know, short of like walking into the woods and finding a cave and killing yourself in it, you know, you have to hide yourself before you're dead, which is not a reasonable notion. Um, I found a, I found about a, I found out about a body farm. Uh, there's one outside of Pueblo where they do, you know, they study, they do studies to see how bodies decay in the gestation period of insects and, and then some, uh, there's one in, uh, Texas. It's like a forensic school and you can be put out there and like, they'll put you in a cage. So to see like what happens when a body's, uh, only taken over by bugs and then how bodies are distributed by wild animals and all of this stuff. Um, and so I looked into this one in Colorado and if I die within 60 miles of the school, they'll come and get me. Oh, so now I'm trying to figure out like, all right, if I die, like I've got the paperwork, everything's in order. It's been notarized. I have a witness signature, the whole thing. But like, if I die, then what the fuck, <laughs> how do, how do, how do <laughs> I get to Colorado? You know, right. Right. Get, and <laughs> nobody is allowed to transport you across state lines without some other massive hassle. That's so, it's just, it's so fucked. Even, even when you're dead, you don't have any clout. When I die, I want to be a classroom skeleton. I want, you know, I want them to like, just take my bones out and put me like connect them with those little like paperclip things. And I'll just be a classroom skeleton. That'd be dope. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. Uh, Christian, the guy who owns the bar where I work the other night, he said, uh, he wants to find a, he wants to find a group of necrophiliacs and then he's just like, we'll give his body and they can all have like a free for all on him because it's, he was like, <laughs> he's like, you know, there's so much, <laughs> there's, so, <laughs> there's such stigma, uh, surrounding necrophilia. He's like, you know, I just want to have these, I want, I want these people to have peace and I want them to just like, they can have their way with me because I'm not going to be using my body anymore. And I want them to, I just want them to have a little bit of freedom, you know, without legal repercussions. I thought that was very generous. Yeah. Christian's pretty fucked up. I don't know what to do with that or say, I feel like maybe our content warning didn't cover that. There. I feel like- there is, uh, there have been a couple of times where we got into real spicy content, uh, discussing, well, it's been me actually all three times talking about having, having, uh, postmortem relations. Uh, I won't do that again. <laughs> um, we're not that, we're not that podcast yet. So last night I was driving around in my car with, uh, my younger son. Uh, oft, oft referred to here as Jizz Goblin. And I was like, we were going to one of his friend's houses. I was like, is this the way he goes? Oh yeah, this is the way I jumped in the, in those bushes right there running from the cops one night. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, Oh. And then he said, then there was like a pause. And then he's like, I mean, I wasn't actually doing anything wrong. But everyone else jumped in the bush. And then I was like, I don't want to be the one guy standing out here. And then the cops roll up and they're like, where are your friends? And I got to be like, they're in that bush. Yeah. Or I don't know. Or I don't have any friends or like you got to like, you really got to think on your feet. So it's, yeah. it's a, you know, a group of young men 
and you just happen to be the one young man that wasn't associated with the other group of young men? Not That's likely. Right. When I was when I was uh, 14, I was in Watsonville, California with my friend Mike and his brother Chris. And um, we were staying in his aunt and uncle's house. And they did this thing they love to do. They get a piece of surgical tubing and they would just do this. They'd go to... They'd go to Watsonville and make these things, but a big piece of surgical tubing. And then you tie the top of a ballpoint pin cap to one end and then, um, and then tie, and then tie off the other end and you just make a water weenie, right? So you fill it with water (laughs) and this thing gets huge and long and, and like big around and stretched out. And we, you know, would squirt each other and we'd squirt cars and we were throwing rotten pears at cars when they drive by and go ride skateboards and eat mambas and, it was a really fun couple of weeks in, in the central coast. Um, but at one point we we're standing in the yard under the dark, under the cloak of uh, darkness. And we were squirting this car and this silver Buick stops and six fucking <laughs> huge <laughs> Latino dudes get out. And Chris and Mike ran and I'm just standing. There. <laughs> uh, I'm just standing there holding this like fully loaded water weenie. And these dudes is just like bursting out of their muscle tees walk up to me and I'm just frozen like deer in headlights. Right. And they grab it yeah, for yeah. me. They grab it for me. And I'm, you know, just a little boy. And I'm like standing there, like staring at these dudes and this one dude just turns it at me and unloads the whole thing in my face. And then they, <laughs> they, they, all, <laughs> they all get in the car uh, once the water weenie is exhausted and, uh, and drive away. Um, I felt like I dodged a real and they just left. Uh, series beatdown that night. But even though I wasn't the one who was guilty, I wasn't the one responsible for, uh, you know, shooting the... Um, shooting the water at their car, I was guilty by association <laughs> and I got my just sure, desserts. Sure, sure. Um, uh, that reminds me of uh, when we were in college, some, some guys, they, they had a super soaker and they would fill it with beer and they would walk around. They had, they had hung, we got, we got to their apartment and they had hung um, garbage bags on all the walls and there were tarps down on the floors. And we were like, some fucked up shit's going to happen here tonight. But as it turns out, they just had a, a super soaker filled with beer and they would walk up to you and they would hold it in your face and say, open. And you would open your mouth. And of course you can only swallow so much beer coming at you at that speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was funnier was this uh, one young woman with whom we were sort of friends. She was, she was not a very pleasant person, but she refused. She, they said, open your mouth. And she said, no. And they were like, okay. And they just, they just drenched her. Uh, you, uh, sounds like a, sounds like a play. You walk in and you think a murder was going to take place. Definitely did. I ended up later that night, uh, in a sardine fights someone had a bunch of cans of sardines and we were out in the street throwing sardines at each other jesus christ i love i love uh shenanigans i don't know if did you know that like i did you you're partial to a shenanigan i love hijinks and shenanigans and and mustard or uh, uh, uh sardine fights or yeah or the like like that stuff is just it just lights up my life 
Yeah, we were out in the out in the road throwing sardines at each other. And I there were, I worked at this restaurant at the time and there was this Brazilian guy that everyone called the bishop. And the bishop apparently lived in that building. He had got off work and he came home and we were out front of his building throwing sardines at each other. And I fucking nailed him with a sardine. And he was pissed. And I went to work. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what happened that night. Obviously, we were not, you know, we were not in solid citizen mode. And I went to work the next week and the bishop came up to me and he was like, I thought we were brothers. Damn. I thought we were brothers, but you threw sardines at my hat. Amazing. And I had to, we, yeah, we had to have a whole emotional thing about it. Sometimes you got to let the intrusive uh, thoughts win. You know what I mean? I was I was <laughs> hanging out with some of the kids that I work with last night, and this woman leaned back, and somebody was like dropping a cheese it in her mouth or something like that, and I grabbed the bottle of mustard, and I was like, <gasps> and just about fucking lit her up, and uh, past me, uh, past me who didn't who doesn't work at a bar and has to deal with drunk people all the time, past me would have yeah. done it in a fucking heartbeat. But, uh, present me, um, has a little more consideration <laughs> for, <laughs> does he, does he really, uh, a, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it was, fuck, it was close. It was everything I could do. Not, not to blast her mouth full of mustard, everything. I'm still, re I'm remorseful that I didn't do it. Yes, uh, but I'll have another. I'll have another chance. We, uh, I was with a bunch of the Hodala characters, and we did a ride in Seattle, and ended up back at this place called Loretta's, and we were having hamburgers and beer, and we got into a mustard fight, and it was the funnest. It was the funnest evening of just silliness, and I still have mustard all over my jacket, and I have <laughs> mustard on one of my hats, and there's still mustard like on the walls in the bar. Um, and I, I went back in and I apologized like a day or two later. And I think we left him. I think Sally left him like um, a huge tip, like hundreds of dollars, uh, you know, because yeah. that's like his local spot. I think they just kind of know what to expect from him and his friends. But um, I, just, I can't I don't know. I'm really I'm really torn. I want to do stuff like that. But I also know what a pain in the ass it is for the people who work there. I'm finally matured. To that level. I think that's right. I think like, so I'm married to a, a real human woman. And I often find myself in situations. I mean, we live together, right? So, you know, she's making dinner. Maybe she bends down <laughs> to a cabinet to get a pot or a pen. And I, all I want to do is give her a wedgie. Mm -hmm. Do you get the kachow? The, just to poke the butthole is hilarious. Um, I probably not for them after the like thousandth time <laughs> it's happened. Well, that's the thing. I think younger me gave her some wedgies. Um, younger me, but then you, like I think at some point you realize the people who are in and the people who are out. The people who can give her wedgies and the people who cannot. No, the people you can give wedgies and oh, the people you cannot. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, every day is a new chance to learn, you know, and uh, and I, yeah. I think that applies. 
Yeah. Hey, you know, we got, we're like, we're fucking in already, like, over our heads here. We, I mean, we, let's do shout outs and, like, get the shit show on the road. I'll be honest, I forgot we were recording a podcast. <laughs> I thought we were just chit chatting. Um, shout outs. Uh, shout out Liz Ashley at Shimano, not just because she's great, but because she's really great. Mm hmm. Yeah, 100%. Uh, for the homies at Chris King, for the major hookup on some new wheels. They sent me some new wheels. Uh, I mean, they really were very generous with me and I appreciate what them. the fuck did you, what they do that what you do, what you do to deserve that? I mean, I do work for them. Oh, right. So we're, you know, we're, we're bros, uh, but they went above and beyond for me and I, you know, that's cool. It's, yeah, I felt I felt loved. It's so seldom that someone you do work for. I mean, we're friends and everything, but it's so seldom that someone you work for shows you love. That's true. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Uh, they when I did the illustrations for them, I thought I was getting paid and a wheel set. And then Jay <laughs> was like, do you want this? Do you want to get paid or the wheel set? And I was like, oh, fuck. Well. I certainly didn't get into the bike industry to ever get paid. So yeah. I'll take the wheels. And it really was like, this is basically like three trips to the grocery store versus like a $3,000 wheel set. So I definitely, <laughs> and it was like, you know, I'm never going to be able to afford a, a Chris King wheel set. You know what I mean? So yeah, I took it and I, I love it. I love it so much. It's, it's, uh, way above my pay grade like i don't i don't even look like like i don't deserve that i should be riding around on stuff that's barely held together i shouldn't have really nice things people like me don't have really nice things um i sort of know what you mean but also think you deserve some nice things like a, like a fall guy um, no actually strike that never mind you were right before um i got some really nice things from them and they were things i didn't re- deserve i they sent me a brand new pair of their mountain wheels but they built them with those olive drab 40th anniversary hubs oh shit yeah yeah fancy what is that like 10 speed or 11 speed or 14 speed 11 11 speed yeah do you even have a drivetrain that will accommodate that i do good lord yeah like a fucking dentist over here yeah, they don't knock dentists. The single speed. You know, well, shout out Dr. Ray again. Dr. Ray invited me to Atlanta to go see whores because they're not coming to Boston on their upcoming tour. Oh, balls. Yeah, this summer, right? They're on tour. This. Yeah. They're playing with Gaithius three days after my show in Portland. So I think I'm going to be I think I'm going to be getting my eardrums blown out. Yeah, that leads me actually to my last shout out, which isn't in your notes, but Scott Houston uh, went and got his ears blown out by pigs, 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 pigs in Toronto. Yeah. And he sent a note of thanks because he learned about pigs, 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 pigs from us. Big ups to us. Big ups to us. And when we get around to starting our cult, Scott will get issued his regulation Nikes in the first batch. Wait, what was that? You cut up for a second. We get, get around to what? 
when we get around to starting our cult, Scott will get his regulation Nikes first. Check. Got it. Um, Yeah. I wanted to to mention real briefly, just as long as we're talking about uh, King, um, that uh, bicycle, the single speed that I just bought, uh, the guy, Frank, who sold it to me for like a little more than a song, uh, he had it outfitted with King hubs and a headset. And I think, yeah, like I, this is like the third, maybe the third set of King hubs I've ever had in my whole entire life. And definitely never had anything, no King stuff on a single speed bike before. So, mm. uh, so again, an example of riding outside of my pay grade. Uh, okay. So good. Definitely. Uh, those are all good shout outs. Every single one of them. And you are going to Atlanta. Uh, it's still an open question. I want to very much cause I, uh, I would love to meet Dr. Ray and in live person. Cause we've exchanged a, a lot of email at this point and I love horrors so much. You know, I do. Mm-hmm. I think you ought to do it. I mean, what is that? Like a long weekend, you know, and a flight from yeah, yeah, yeah. Boston to Atlanta. I mean, that's like, what? 90, $95. Uh, probably. Probably no. more, probably more, but you only live my wife. The one thing I have going for me is my brother-in-law just moved to Atlanta. My wife was like, well, I do need to go down there and visit him. Bang. There you are. Bang. Uh, okay. I don't have any shout outs. Uh, everybody can fuck, yeah, themselves. fuck everybody else. Exactly. Anyone we did not mention should fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Captain Dave from evil cycling. Uh, often he goes, are you going to post it or am I every Thanksgiving, uh, mm-hmm. on whatever, uh, evil cycling channels. I've said, we're not thankful for shit. Fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um okay let's uh let's get into music picks i got a i got a banger i'm real excited to share with you you i'm almost 95 percent certain we haven't covered this band before but i might mention it and then you'll be like oh yeah i, I turned you on to them in uh, episode 43 so oh who knows um well my music okay do you want to go first then no okay i want to break from uh, tradition uh, my pick this week is not the one in your notes. I decided I hated that record after all. Uh, my pick this week is Sturgill Simpson's Meta Modern Sounds in Country Music, huh. okay. which is Sturgill Simpson's second record. Came out in 2014. It it la- lives in the category of outlaw country. Um, I don't listen to a ton of country music, uh, but when I do, I want it to be a little bit weird. And this record is right in there. All right. Does it, is it like, is it like, uh, like old timey kind of like Waylon Jennings kind of. He's definitely in the Waylon Jennings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's got like a Waylon Jennings style voice. Uh, the songs are pretty. Yeah. It's not at all today's country music. That's for sure. Good. Yeah, I think I think you could like it. I think it's you know what I would call it solid beer drinking music. I do like solid beer drinking music and drinking beer and music and yeah. and solid stuff. So I've heard the <laughs> yeah. I've heard the name. I think I've like you know it's kind of I always discuss the um, 
like you hear stuff, but you don't listen to stuff. Like I've been around when something's playing, but I haven't like, you know, sat down with headphones or like really like immersed myself in it. I feel he's always been, um, he's always been kind of like adjacent. He's always kind of around. I've heard of him. I've heard him. I don't believe I've ever listened to him and I don't, don't, um, uh, I don't own, I, yeah, did I just say that? I don't own anything by him, or, you know, digitally or otherwise. So I'll put it on my, I'll put it on my to-do list. Yeah. 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 I think you could enjoy it. All right. Um, um, mine, Jerome's dream. Is that, does that ring a bell? Nope. Okay. Uh, they are a three piece, I think originally from Connecticut, but live in San Francisco. Uh, the record is called the gray in between and they are, you know, you love a uh, post anything post hardcore, right? They're definitely, I think they definitely fall in the post hardcore genre. Um, you love the quiet, loud, quiet. Oh yeah. They got, they got some, they got some of that. Um, they, it is like fierce and I can't really like off the top of my head right now, I can't really compare it to anything. I think they were active from like 2000 and something to 2014 or 15. And then they disbanded and then rejoined at 2018 and are still <clears throat> active currently. Say their name in the record again. Jerome's dream. Jerome's dream. And the record is called the gray in between. And, uh, yeah, it fucking rules. Uh, there's a, I have a single, uh, keep those bristles clean and closed is, uh, is something that I just randomly found on my phone. And, uh, I was like, oh yeah, this is, uh, maybe Dr. Ray turned me on to him or maybe, um, uh, 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 shit, drawing a blank. Roger Cadman maybe turned me on to oh, him yeah. or I, you know, it was like one of those things where it just sort of appeared uh, in my collection and, um, and I'm thankful for it. So All right. there we go. Uh, Jerome's dream. Let's uh, gray in between yeah. and Sturgill Simpson meta modern sounds and country music. Make note of it. Or you can go to all hail the black market and there's a revolting uh, music pick. Uh, banner over on the right hand side that has I think it's up to date it's got every music pick we've had uh, in the uh, 117 episodes that we've done so far uh, and yeah. links to Bandcamp or YouTube videos or whatever if you have any curiosity about any of the, uh, the picks we've had over the history Oh, yeah. You can always click through to sample, to put a little on your plate. There you go. Um, All right. We're going to get a word from something, and we will be back in one moment. Revolting is sponsored by Shimano North America and their new 12-speed GRX mechanical group sets. Gravel cycling shouldn't be overly complicated. The heart and soul of cycling's drop bar dirt road discipline is simplicity, inclusivity, and adventure. No ride is out of bounds. All are welcome to join in. Gear should be functional, reliable, and not break the bank. These are the core ideas behind Shimano's 12-speed GRX mechanical groups. 
Find out more at gravel.shimano.com. And we're back. Okay. Today's episode, what are we talking about? Coffee and sugar, cigarettes and weed. Everyone loves drugs. Even the people who say they're against drugs. And we love them too. Even if only pretty specific ones. Uh, Today we're talking about the relationship with vice and the dumbest things we've done to get high or get away with getting high. Question one. What drugs do you like the best? What drugs do you really hate? Uh, I am really fucking into psychedelics. Like, I'm high as fuck right now. (laughs) Um, Reality, I don't like reality. Reality hasn't really worked out for me, so I'm all about altering my reality. Uh, I say in sort of just, I think uh, all of this, like, we are the generation that was like, dare to keep kids off drugs and just say no and all this other bullshit. And like, oh, you're going to take acid and you're going to jump off a roof because that's the with the film strip that you saw from the 60s in health class. And now we're learning that there are all kinds of therapeutic um, uh, benefits in psilocybin uh, experimentation for PTSD, uh, for um, depression for uh anxiety anxiety all of the things the stuff that timothy leary was doing really like the nixon is i know it's a real simplified version of what happened but i feel like the nixon administration got a hold of all this stuff and they were just like nope make everything illegal and weeds illegal and then you find out that like the paper industry and the fuel industry and like there's all of this stuff that kind of like blocked the legalization of weed and um and now they're finding you know there's a whole host of benefits for marijuana um as it uh, pertains to uh pain management or sleep or you know and i think it's i think it's really cool that uh weed is you know weed is legal in a bunch of states i don't know what the fuck has happened with the billions of dollars of tax revenue generated um by the with the sale of weed it certainly isn't going back into education or infrastructure or Mm. uh, you know i don't know what's going on there but i'm i'm all about the legalization and the uh sort of like relieving the black market's stake in all of this stuff Mm mm-hmm uh, working in the uh, for at a weed extraction laboratory for a couple of years, I really got an insider's look at uh, uh, the gray market um, stuff that was you know the above board. We had a fucking thirty foot shipping container in this building full of bags of weed, like it was like shit you've never seen, but in movies, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like it's cr- it's cr- it's crazy, and but I'm but I'm here for it for sure. <laughs> did you get a look at that? And your eyeballs did that cartoon thing. They were like Bolzonga. Yeah, <laughs> just it's just like millions of dollars of equipment and weed, and we're like you know we're like working with these grow operations, and um you know then there's like the black market, and there's the illicit grow operations, and they're poisoning the land with fertilizers and stealing water from rivers and 
Oh, it's just uh, like the fucking politics. And I'd heard at one point that J.P. Morris had bought up like thousands of acres of land in Northern California, kind of like positioning themselves for when weed is legalized and they can put all the independent farmers out of business kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if there's money to be made, there is nefarious activity surrounding it. Fact. <clears throat> um, I really hate fentanyl. Uh, that's mm-hmm. killing people left, right, and center. I really hate meth. And, um, and I hate what has happened in the wake of uh, uh, painkillers flooding. Yeah. Uh, the flooding the 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 mark the market air quote. Yeah, I I mean this these topics are uh, this topic is weird for me obviously because I don't do any uh, illicit drugs anymore. Uh, it's been Jesus Christ! It's been thirty years. So illicit though illicit like what? Right, 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 right. So, um, you know, I haven't smoked weed. I haven't had a drink. Drinking's not illicit, I guess. I, I haven't done any hallucinogens. I haven't done any stimulants or opiates in like 30 years. Um, what I know from my experience back when I was trying to do all of them uh, was that I don't really I, and I feel very lucky, like I'm an alcoholic at root. That's that's what I was, uh, what I liked. Um, and I'm really grateful that that was my problem because I, I've, I have friends and I've seen so many people with opiate, uh, and other addictions, uh, Coke speed, all that stuff. And it just seems brutal, you know, like uh, at root alcohol, uh, alcoholism makes you sick. Mm hmm. Right. So there's this constant force pushing back. And some of these other drugs, uh, I think, don't have you in that constant state of sickness. I mean, they do. They do. But I I think they're chemically more addictive. I'm just glad that. I never liked opiates. I never liked painkillers. I never liked anything speed related. It always made me feel nauseous. I just never that was just never my thing. Yeah. Um hallucinogenics i had mixed experiences with that my first lsd experience was real bad uh but then but then i got right back on that horse good for uh, you and i had some good times but i don't um i mean the 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 drug that i love the most and hate the most is probably nicotine uh mm. that was the heart that was the hardest thing in the world i smoked for some years and it was the hardest thing to quit and I fucking hated it and it was gross and I still loved it. I was like, this is this terrible love hate thing going on there. That uh, I didn't even think about nicotine, but also nicotine. I don't know. I don't, I don't actually know what it does for you. Like I've never smoked. So I don't know. And now everybody's using Zins. Like people right. fucking love stimulant. those things. It's a, it's a low level stimulant. <clears throat> um, but all that shit is gross. All that shit is gross. And I'm glad I gave it up I, for a while. I was chewing tobacco to try to quit smoking. Cause I thought I would chewing to, it would be easy to quit chewing tobacco because it's so gross. Yeah. But nope, just got hooked on that too. 
So yeah. then I went back to cigarettes because that was too gross. What was uh, what was your brand of chew? Uh, I say I say chew tobacco. I really mean dip. Um, yeah. And I was uh, probably a, a skull, straight skull or Win- skull mint. Wintergreen. Yep. 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 Uh, I was always a big fan of Kodiak because you know it's the only bear you can pinch. <laughs> but. Uh, Okay, so, like, we've also been raised with this notion that, like, oh, you just take mushrooms, you take you eat mushrooms and you go party in the woods. You take acid and you go fucking ride your bike yep. around. And so now with it, looking at it through sort of a therapeutic lens, uh, it's sort of, it's de- decriminalized, it's lessened the, the, the big overarching scariness. Uh, I think, for, to me, in my mind, um, because it in my in my limited experience but but in my experience the if you think about it as medicine the medicine brings you what you need and you might need a bad trip you might need a good trip you might need your mind blown open you might need to fucking travel through the universe uh but it but it brings you what you what it what you need from it um and or what you deserve <laughs> well I mean, it's, it's, if, if you look at it through the lens of being through a a medication, um, it's this weird symbiotic and real organic and real beautiful relationship that I am really excited to continue to explore, um, as I continue to try to reset my brain and become a better version of myself. Uh, I feel like doing that through the use of hallucinogens um, is is going to be ultimately really beneficial to me because I never ate mushrooms. I never dropped acid. I took ecstasy recreationally uh, kind of a lot at one point when I was a bicycle messenger. Um, and now, like, getting anything I can get to, you know, under, under sort of... Uh, supervision mm-hmm. um or with a, a you know consideration with somebody who knows more about it than i do um is is super intriguing to me i did a couple of like real big fucking hero heroic uh, mdma journeys before i left oakland with a guide um and uh those were amazing and also terrible you know, but I don't expect patterns to change. I don't expect my brain to change. I don't expect my ha- habits to change uh, without a little bit of work. And I feel for me, I feel like this is a um, it's a, a real uh, intriguing avenue of doing that. Yeah, I th- I think it's intriguing. I feel sort of duck like i can't i can't freestyle treatment and i also can't i have to be real careful what i do because i can slip back into some heavy shit quickly right well that's what Uh, i was that's kind of what i was going to ask that's where i was going with is like you having lived a a life with uh uh, dependence or, or addiction issues yeah if you got with a therapist and they were like you know what? 
uh, we're going to do this whole uh, neural pathway uh, redirect. And in doing this, we have to, you have to go like take acid in the jungle uh, for (laughs) two weeks or whatever. You're not doing it recreationally. You're not doing it to rage or party or whatever. You're doing it as an avenue of emotional and and uh, spiritual repair. Does that land any differently with you? Uh, it lands slightly differently, but I would still need to see a bunch of science uh, to, you know, I, I would. The idea that these things are effective, I have no problem with. I believe that. I accept that Um, the dosages and the methodologies don't seem like firmly established to me. So I think before I would even consider any of that, I would need for all of it to be pretty well established because I just can't afford to fuck around. Right. I just can't. Um, my mind is open to it, but I'm not, but I can't take any chances because my life is good. I have a good life. Right. That's fair. You know? Yeah. Uh, I'm having never done, like never even really dabbling in hallucinogens, uh, and always being a little bit afraid. I had a teacher actually in high school, this guy, Nick, who was, pretty uh, integral in me getting through school and getting into college. Like I was not uh, academically inclined. Um, At one point I was asking him about acid and I was like, I want to, you know, I kind of want to do it. And he was at Woodstock and he was, you know, he was one of those dudes. He he knew, he knew all that stuff pretty well, but he said it, it, it kind of challenges it, it, um, whatever emotions you're experiencing, it elevates it. And I was, you know, I was kind of a fucked up kid. And so the idea of uh, amplifying my despair just seemed totally uh, unmanageable. Like it seemed like a real fucking gamble and I wanted nothing to do with it. Um, I think he said, what's the dumbest television show you can think of and whatever show I could, you know, I was like, I don't uh, all in the family, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, if you watch that on acid, it would be the funniest shit you've ever seen in your life. And that was enough to, <laughs> to steer me clear. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to do a drug that makes all the family funny. That's horrifying. Uh, I mean, I told you I did. I did. Oh, I, I ate a bunch of mushrooms and then I watched every episode of the young ones. <laughs> all six of them. <laughs> yeah, but consecutively. <laughs> and I was like. I was like, this is the most genius piece of performance <laughs> art I've ever, I didn't realize, I just thought this was a funny show before. I didn't realize that it was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I really want to do, I went to Colorado uh, to visit uh, Joe Parkin and Simon Stewart and their families uh, a year ago, this past September. I think, I think it was a year ago. That sounds uh, right. Um, and uh, I met up with this woman who is, uh, she, she's my friend, Laura. She's a witch. I brought her up here before. She's, she's great. Um, but we were, she said, Hey, you want to meet? And we're, we're going to go like go into the 
go to Crestone in Southwest Colorado, which is this weird spiritual uh, or uh, energetic vortex kind of a joint. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on in this, in this region of Colorado. And, uh, and we're going to eat a shit ton of mushrooms. <laughs> we're going to have like a God trip, you know? And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah I'm he, sure. Why not go to a remote place with a person I've never seen before. And, and, and absolutely like give myself to, to, to them, you know, like I'm, yeah. my well being is in your hands and we ate, uh, and we got really fucking high and, <laughs> and she was like, okay, now it's about to start to get really funny. And I was standing up and I was like making jokes. I'm like, I am hilarious. I, this is going to be good. And it turned so fucking fast. And I was just like, whoa, I got to lie down. And then I was put, I put some music on and I'm like, no, I've got too many memories associated with this. I cannot listen to it. And I said, I asked her, would you please put something else on? And she put on like this tube and throat singing or something. And I was oh, like, no, no, definitely not. Definitely not this. Um, like some spa music. I need some spa music, like stat, stat. Yeah. And she put some spa music on and then I cried for eight hours like like unconsolable <laughs> sobbing and i one and she was like having her trip and um i had to basically be my own guide and luckily i had worked with this guy for, with the mdma journeys and i was kind of like i was able to talk myself through this like you know, feelings aren't real. This is like, I was just going through these yeah. different mantras. And at one point I'm like, I got to fucking get out of here. And I walked outside. Um, and I was sitting on this stomp or a rock or something and outside felt too confining. Like I just, <laughs> I've never felt such claustrophobia. Like I wanted to, to explode and turn into atoms. I could yeah. not be on this planet anymore. I felt so confined. Um, and then eventually I kind of like, you know, breathed through this fucking horror. Uh, and understanding too, like I said, this is something, the medicine brought me what I needed. I didn't know what I was going to experience. Um, but, and I knew it could potentially be rough. And so finally <clears throat> I walked back inside and I laid down and I was looking at the ceiling and the ceiling was all of these layers of like the, like really billowy, uh, different colored silk, like layers of silk. And at that point I realized that, uh, because of, uh, what, what I think I'm seeing, because I know the wall is solid based on conventional wisdom and, and, uh, uh, yep. uh, what, what I perceive this reality to be, I know that wall is solid because that's what, that's what I'm, I've been raised to think, but to be able to see it in this context, now I realize that like n nothing around us is what we see it to be. And, yeah. um, and I still feel that way. Like I had a whole big long conversation about it, about that with, or that, concept with this woman the other night um i don't think that what we're experiencing i don't think any of this is real and then i also have a notion that this is just one big collective 
hallucinate hallucination uh we've all di- we've all died uh in somewhere in 2015 2016 <laughs> and now we're just in the queue like waiting to get processed oh like too many of us died at once so uh, never oh, before yeah. in human history have eight billion people died um and so when people are born and people die in this reality it's just because that's what we expect to happen because that's how we've lived our lives up until this event, whatever this event was. Mm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that it, it it really gives you a lot of freedom, you know, like I know I can't go rob a bank because as I said, conventional wisdom leads me to believe or conventional understanding of society leads me to believe that I'll probably get caught, but I could rob a bank because none of this fucking matters. None of this is actually real. I could buy all that. I, I mean, yeah, I'm good with that. <laughs> That's what mushrooms. Two dead guys talking at, yapping at each other. That's what mushrooms did for me. <laughs> yeah. I my first time on LSD, uh, I was we were in the, on the roof of our dorm, and someone pulled the fire alarm, and I went from like just having a chilled out great time to like. Now everyone in the dorm is streaming down these staircases and then we're all sitting on the front lawn of the dorm and the fire trucks show up. And I was like, it was so overwhelming. It was so much sensory input. Yeah. That I saw this wave. It was like transparent, but I could see it. It was like a wave coming towards me. And I was like, oh, when that wave hits me, I'm either going to go insane or not. But this is the moment. <laughs> I love it. And it washed over me and I was like, oh my God, I'm still here. And then I said to a friend of mine, you need to get me the fuck out of here. And she was like, why? And I was like, because I am tripping so hard right now. Uh, And then I spent like the next four hours curled up in a corner somewhere. Yeah. uh, I don't think, I don't think I would, uh, I would be able to physically or emotionally handle like real heroic doses of hallucinogens in a city. No fucking way around people. Not a fucking chance. If I, if I lost my mind this much with one person in the desert, I am definitely not built, uh, to, to do big doses around a lot of people or around physical structures. Just no fucking way. But, you know, that's how you like, you know, your limits, uh, knowing your limits with any, any, uh, psychotropic or, uh, or fucking booze, you know, like I see, I see drunk kids every week, like who don't, who just don't know their limits. You know, I didn't know my limits. Yeah. I've not known my limits. I learned my limits. Yeah. Wound up in jail. Like, okay, that was too much. Thank you, officer. (laughs) This has been educational. Um, Yeah, I've learned my limits to a degree. And I think to your point before, uh, I am just about keeping it together. Stone cold sober. Yeah. Uh, So I'm not trying to tip the apple cart over. I do love a cup of coffee. Caffeine is a delightful drug. Um, 
it is a drug. I mean, we have sugar is a drug. All of these things that we put in our system have these effects on us. But I, yeah, I got to just keep it. I just got to keep it all out in front of me. I'm plenty weird without, without help. Yeah, I, I just, I just, I wonder, you know, so that's the second question is people who grew up in the seventies and eighties where you're given some bad information, heavy propaganda about drugs. How do you think all that uh, nonsense affected your view of the world and how weird is it to live in a time when weed is mostly legal and psilocybin and shrooms uh, seem not that far behind? Um, I, it, it, it kind of gives me a green light and, and the fact that it's a little more regulated, you know, like I'm not just buying, I'm not just buying, uh, drugs from um carl yeah some random on the street where i know i know what i'm getting is not gonna fuck me up because you are you're playing with brain chemistry you're playing with emotional uh capacity or bandwidth or whatever you're even dealing with physical stuff um and i don't want anything to i don't want to put anything in my body that that risks there are, there, there are, you're always going to be taking a risk with, you know, doing any, anything like this. But if I am, um, if I know that what I, what I'm getting is good, then any bad trip that happens, uh, that's just, that's just on me. And I'm really comfortable with that. I don't want that to be, uh, an effect of some, like some bad, some bad shit. Or something that's yeah. laced, or like you know, I, I wind up trying to eat a garbage can lid because somebody sprinkled some PCP on my whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, I absolutely know what you mean. I mean, like <clears throat> I'm a father. I have two teenage sons, and what I said to them was, "Look, you're going to drink, you're going to smoke weed, or eat edibles, or you're going to do stuff. Like I know you are. You're going to everyone experiments and figures out where their limits are and does all that stuff." If if I ever hear that you took a pill that someone else gave you, yeah, like no pills, if you it, no pills or powders, and if I find out that you did either of those things, I will end you. Mm-hmm. And I'm you know I'm not trying to um, proscribe their experiences, but like it's my job to keep them safe. I will I tear anyone is. Hmm? I will I will tear you in half and put half of you back into my penis. <laughs> That's a good threat. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, I was like, I tried to be like completely permissive about this one thing and then just completely categorically, I will fuck you up if you do this other thing. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, I think that's a real good lesson. Um, uh, and, and, and there's a, there's a degree of like, there's, there's real wisdom there and, uh, you know, trust and respect. And I think uh, both your boys trust and respect you. And to and to and to hear someone with with experience say this is no no problem with any of this stuff, but this stuff is is totally off limits. And even to have that instead of saying like no to everything, because that creates curiosity. Curiosity creates experimentation. But if you're yeah. like no, you can do whatever the fuck you want to on this stuff. That's you know money all day long. This. Hundred percent. No, there's clearly a reason behind that, and I think that 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 would land a little more solidly with me if if I were in their shoes. Yeah, we talked about it. We talked all through it. Um, 
we've talked about all kinds of things with them about it. But um, I think, you know, growing up when we did, it was like, don't have sex, don't do drugs. Yeah. Uh, don't do nothing. All, it's all. And that's it's all going to lead to bad shit. And that's all I ever. So that's all I ever wanted to do was sex and drugs. So mm-hmm. I did them. Awesome. They were awesome. Um, if you haven't tried sex, <laughs> it's pretty good. Anyway, um, but yeah, like growing up in the 70s and 80s, more the 80s than the 70s. But there was this real like you just knew that the people telling you this stuff were full of shit. Yeah. And so now that you can buy weed at the bottom of the hill from where I live across from the grocery store and I don't buy like I don't need to. I'm not. That's not my thing. I don't do that. But it just feels a little bit more sane slightly more sane like we're coming to in all the ways that we are still insane i think there's some sanity creeping in at the edges yeah yeah i do it's funny that that same uh trip to colorado um my friend simon and i had we ate we split a gummy there's gummies in this one whole big package we split one of them and i was seeing fucking ghosts I was high as fuck. We both were. And the next day we split another gummy and it was nothing really. And we were like, what the fuck happened yesterday? (laughs) Like I thought that, you know, with the regulation, uh, and there would, you know, I guess every now and again, you get like one where it got more wheat, like got ghost oil in it or something. (laughs) But I, I do look forward to, uh, being able to walk into a place and get mushrooms, I will. When the mushrooms are available over the counter, I will never not be high again. <laughs> I mark my words. That's a guarantee because this reality, uh, I need some. I still need some adjustment, and I feel like I can only get it through hallucinogens. Well, we will all stay tuned to figure out if we can tell the difference. Between yeah. you on mushrooms and you not on mushrooms. I went on a mountain bike ride. I ate mushrooms. No, we're not going to wrap it up because I got one more story. You started with <laughs> your finger with the wrap it up. I motion. did. I was starting to make the sign. <laughs> I got, uh, I ate a bunch of mushrooms and I went on a mountain bike ride. Oh, wait, bike content. Fuck me. Keep going. And I'm riding up this trail and there's a dude on a unicycle and he's got headphones on. And I rode by him and I said hi and he didn't make a sound. And then I kept riding and then I saw this little old man and he had a transistor radio and he was like a thousand years old and his pants were pulled up super high and he looked kind of like Gollum from, um, from Lord of the Rings. And he was really chatty. And then I kept riding and then I passed the dude on the (laughs) unicycle again and there's no, he never went by me. And then at that point I wasn't sure if either of these people actually existed I think I invented both of them. And the second time I saw the unicycle guy, I said hello again. And again, he didn't acknowledge me or respond or make any sound. And that's, and that's uh, what's cool about eating mushrooms on a bike ride. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I saw I saw this guy Bill. Uh he does he owns a company called Trail Boss. They make really nice um they make real nice trail maintenance and building tools. And I saw him and some of his crew later on 
they were doing some trail work that day. And uh, he said, yeah, we did see the, the old man with the radio. And I think they also saw the guy on the unicycle. So it wasn't, oh. it was con- confirmation that I hadn't just invented them. Uh, better not to know, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that's, there's my, there's my little closing story. Uh, question three, would you rather, would you rather have all your music chosen for you by a random American person or have all your food chosen for you by that same person forever? So this could be, uh, yeah, forever. So this could be, you could win the lottery. Dr. Ray chooses your music. You're all set. Or you could have some acne ridden teen uh, in the middle of nowhere who only ever wants to listen to Taylor Swift. I'm not knocking Taylor Swift for you Swifties out there. I'm just saying it's random. Maybe you're going to um, maybe you're going to be listening to Christian folk music or maybe uh, the person is real into opera. It could be any American person. Yeah. Oof. Or that <laughs> same person's food. And you could have somebody who's like macrobiotic vegan, you know, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to live forever. Or yeah. you just eat Big Macs and your heart explodes. That's correct. Jesus. Could be one, one or the other. This <clears throat> might be my best would you rather yet. This is a good one because they both are real gamble. Yeah. I was playing would you rather with somebody the other night and they said, would you rather like smash your nuts with a hammer or cut your tongue out or something like that. I'm like, you're terrible at this. <laughs> <laughs> like they both are awful. And, but there's no very, there's no like, oh, but when you smash your balls, uh, you might find uh, a bag of gold coins or become magic right. or like possess the <laughs> ability to become invisible or something like that. It was like, no, you go back to school. You're terrible at this. Yeah, they're not. Prof- I'm a. I feel like I'm a professional. Would you rather at this point? I think so. Um. Uh. Well, you also have the opportunity to um, to just not listen to music anymore. True. Which if you chose bummer. the music and you got a bad one, you could just be like, "Well, music's over for me." Yeah, but you if can't you can't not eat, you, that's a good point. I, I guess I would go with music. And really just keep my fingers crossed that it was somebody with taste, my taste, good taste, like my taste. Mm. I am going to go for the food Oof. because I think I could, uh, it'd be, I mean, it's rough either way, right? Because these yeah. are things you really care about, your food and your music. Yeah, but you can't, I can survive without music. I, it wouldn't be a fun existence, but I can survive without it can't survive but without I, food yeah but i think the likelihood that you end up with someone who eats just horror is lower i think if you chose a random american person you're probably getting bad music you're definitely getting bad food you Amer- think oh yeah yeah what is the obesity rate in america like 85 percent or something it's it's huge. People are. Yeah. But look at what popular music is. It's the equivalent of diabetes. American ear. We have diabetic tasted music. It's terrible. <laughs> okay. So really you're choosing food, huh? I'm going to, I would gamble on the food on this one. Well, you definitely, you definitely would probably lose weight. Cause you'd be like, no, I can't, 
fucking have it. I can't eat deep fried pickles again. I'd probably eat the fuck out of some deep fried pickles. But True, but not forever. Yeah, but the, not okay. forever. All right, you're picking the music. I'm picking, um, I mean, you're picking the food. I'm picking the music. We're agreeing to disagree. Here's your outro. Like any side street clown show, we've got a hat out in front of us. It's the tip jar at the Cycling Independent. If you chuckled or scratched your chin or had to squelch a bar for maybe uh, drop, dropping a couple ducats in the jar, we could feed ourselves. Uh, that would be appreciated. Appreciated. Appreciative. We'd be appreciative. So on behalf of the Cycling Independent Preach. and the Independent, Cycling Independent and the Revolting Podcast is Bob Stevel. Yeah. Oh, my God.